You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Last year, I was having kind of a bad time with things, so a close friend of mine decided to cheer me up and invite me out to his local tabletop gaming group. We were playing Heroes Unlimited, which is a sometime in the future setting of a big superhero adventure. The character I'd come up with was this magical swordsman who uh, had been teleported to Earth from a far-off realm. I dove into the backstory of this character and really dedicated myself creatively to expanding his backstory and his many adventures before he ended up on Earth. And that leads us to Estion, the fantasy world where our 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons campaign will be occurring. In Estion, sometime in the past, an era now lost to history due to the Great War, everybody was trying to get at the Four Great Blades. Nobody knows where they came from anymore. Nobody knows what their purpose was. All they know is that they are artifacts of great power. Approximately 300 years ago, a peace was reached, with several of the races banding together to form their own nations united, each around one of the blades, creating a balance of power. The four great nations consist of Theris, a very prosperous area surrounded by plains and forests, populated by the humans, the elves, and the half-elves. It's a patriarchal feudal society led by human lords united under a single high lord. Currently, Lord Warwick of House Corgan is in charge. The elves of the nation serve as their spiritual leaders, while the common citizens are a mixture of all three races. The high lord is protected by a royal guard, which exists outside of the military, and the royal guard itself is captained by that nation's sword bearer. To the north, we have Arsta, dominated by high mountains and harsh weather. It's not a place for the weak. Populated by humans and the half-orcs, it's largely a tribal society, with tribes occasionally clashing over the most hospitable territories. The tribes are interbred between humans and half-orcs, with rare full-blooded orcs commanding positions of respect as tribal elders. Warlord Barnock currently commands the most powerful tribe and sits in Windkeep Stronghold. Traditionally, the strongest warrior amongst the tribes is known to be their sword bearer. Between these two nations is the contested area. Officially recognized as Thrasian land, this area is occupied by the Arstons during the winter. The powerful warriors are used to fighting in the snow and cause little problem with the residents, so the nation of Theris allows it. But once spring comes, the organized military usually has no problem pushing the tribes back to the rightful borders. Far to the south, you have Sar a nation of humans, drow, and tieflings. Their northwestern swamp provides an almost impenetrable natural barrier, so Sar has no need for a standing military. Instead, their interactions with the other nations are built upon trade of information backed by its powerful network of spies and assassins. 
none more deadly than the Sarite Swordbearer themselves. Beyond the swamps, the terrain is a thick jungle dotted with massive temples dedicated to the study of magic. While magic is uncommon, though not necessarily rare in other nations, it is prolific in Sar. Baron Mathis has ruled since the end of the war, though many believe this just to be a title passed down from one ruler to the next. Almost lost into the east is the nation of Ferrer, consisting of gnomes, halflings, and dragonborn. It was almost destroyed at the end of the war and has become very unwelcoming to outsiders. A massive wall of metal and stone over 100 feet high surrounds the entire nation's border. Their military might comes from the dragonborn soldiers, but its true power is the scientific advancements of the diminutive gnomes and halflings. The wall opens in only two places, the great markets at the point where it borders two other nations. Known for its inventions and alchemic concoctions, Ferrer's goods are unlike any seen elsewhere and fetch a high price. The trade-off to this incredible potential of wealth is being forced to remain separate from the rest of the nation. The merchants, guards, and other citizens of the markets are never allowed through the inner gates of a wall, and only a select few trusted official transports the goods from the nation proper to the markets. The status of their sword-bearer is unknown, though rumors persist of the experiments the scientists and alchemists perform. In between all these, we have the Dwarven Kingdom. During the war, the dwarves remained safe in their underground cities, only resurfacing once peace was reached. Creating surface outposts near important trading areas made the dwarves a powerful merchant nation. Their network of underground tunnels allowed the dwarves to transport goods safely and quickly anywhere in Estion, a service they're more than happy to provide to, to any nation for a price. The dwarves also run the Freelancers Guild, made up of an assortment of individuals from across Estion. For spies, fighters, or those just looking for some excitement in their lives, the Freelancers Guild offers a number of jobs. Official channels would rather have kept off the books. Which brings us to the dwarven outpost of Vungrim, just outside the Lunar Garden, the capital of Theris. We are in a small office. Near the front is a rather studious-looking dwarf, a scribe of some sort, short-cropped beard, covered in paper, ink stains everywhere, working as hard as she possibly can. In the back of the room is another dwarf, clearly of higher ranking, fine cloth robes, beard is straight and unbraided, brushed to a shining luster, doing her best to avoid noticing the two men sitting in the room. Our first person, very, looking very uncomfortable in the lobby, is the half-orc known as Tag. Tag, why don't you tell us a little more about yourself? Tag is a rather large orc uh, as far as height goes, but not very bulky. Standing at probably about six foot four, coming in just under 300 pounds, he's scrawny by any sort of orc standards. He's completely bald at the top of his head and sports a well-trimmed goatee to a fine point of black hair. His eyes are stormy gray, and he's dressed rather finely for what you would consider a warrior race. Soft silken shirt, leather greaves, pants of fine nature, and in his hands he holds a lute as he sits there idly strumming it, waiting for somebody to take notice to him. All right, Tag, why don't you make us a history roll to see what little more you may know about your home nation? All right. So being from Arsta and a half-orc yourself, you know that... The tribal society has existed for quite a while, but there actually is a method to the power structure. While it does not happen very often, 
at many times over the years, the sword bearer has fallen in combat. At this point, all of the clans assemble at Wildkeep Stronghold and hold a tournament, each clan putting forth their strongest representative. The winner of this tournament is deemed to be the strongest warrior in the nation and is chosen as the next sword bearer. Now, the sword bearer themselves doesn't command the tribe, but they are definitely the power behind the tribe. And whichever tribe currently hosts the sword bearer is the one that rules the nation from Wildkeep Stronghold, which is how Chieftain Granok currently has his power, because his tribe member is the current sword wielder. And Tag, what brings you to the Freelancers Guild? I seek to write the most epic song that the Freelance have ever heard, because every story must be told, every song must be sung. I must go out and find great adventure and immortalize it. And, of course, gain a nice little royalty on top of it. And now we meet the person you will be writing that song about, Sir Reginald. Tell us more about yourself. Who is this narrator voice I hear? This makes no sense. There's nobody here but us in this room, and yet I hear this narrator babbling endlessly in our heads. The narrator is displeased. Oh, oh, the narrator is displeased. That makes no sense. Why should I have to speak of myself and boast about who I am or where I come from? Certainly I like talking about myself, but not in a manner like this where I'm prompted and prodded like this half-orc imbecile. Very well then, Sir Reginald. Would you like to roll for history to tell, to learn a little more about your home nation? I know of my home nation. I am from the western coast of Cerulea. I am born of the High Lord, my father, Brent, who feels that I am not quite measuring up to the potential that he seeks for his next in line, the heir to the throne. So he seeks sending me on this foolish quest, and I have to be surrounded by adults like this smelly half-orc. Maybe he just wants you to not come back, and maybe he wants you to die in an epic fashion. You I can write a great song about t- that. What, what is these magical dice you speak of? Well, it's really a fun game. I am not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the narrator. The narrator says if you roll a d20 plus two, that will tell you your history score. Confound it. (laughs) This makes no sense. D20 I've done what you've asked. Not even remotely. I did what you asked. <laughs> Slash roll splay, space 1d20 plus 2. I have scribes to do this for me. Very it well, then. You know ridiculous. nothing more about your home nation. Slash roll 1d20 plus 2. Are we satisfied now? We are very satisfied. Proceed. (laughs) You happen to know that the intelligence network that is the backbone of SAR's power amongst the four nations, yes, is overseen by the Sarite sword wielder. Interesting about the Sarite sword wielder is that it is not a single blade. Instead, it is a pair of smaller blades that is referred to as the forked tongue. You know that one of the swords is made out of a white metal, while the other one is as dark as the night sky. 
The sword bearer themselves, though, doesn't work for the intelligence service. Instead, they are actually the personal servant of Baron Mathis. You've heard through your spellcasting lineage that Baron Mathis has found the secret of immortality, and it is actually one person that has ruled the nation for the last 300 years. You say that like I should be impressed. So Tell me something that it's really in the me. lobby. You notice that the rather studious dwarf at the back of the room, who appears to be in charge, has read the same page of paper three times now. Definitely she's ignoring you. You dare? Look at me! Finally, she glances up, gives a deep sigh, and with the barest of motion, waves the two of you closer to her desk. I slide up to the desk all smoothly. Well, Uh, hello. I suppose the two of you want a job. Why, yes. Yes, I would. I don't know about him. He seems a little off-balanced. I'm here because I have to be, not because I want to be. If it's some quest you deem to give me, then so be it. Well, fiend, that makes two of us. You see on her desk there is a rather wonderful placard of deep carved stone inlaid with gold. And it appears to be her name, which is that of... Bruthbena Long River. Bruthbena reaches down into her desk, ruffles around in some pages, and pulls out a stack of papers. We have a job for somebody of your type. We received word from the Thracian Merchants Guild that one of their members is stuck in the contested area. The early winter that has come down has left him stranded, and he is unwilling to travel by land with his purse loaded down with gold and riches. So he is asked for someone to come escort him to the town of Gildim, where he will take the Dwarven train passage back here and to the Lunar Garden. We've arranged passage for you. If you travel two days to the north to our outpost of Thardim, you will hire on as mercenaries onto the Dwarven caravan, which will take you to Gildim into the contested land without any difficulty. From there, it's a mere half-day's journey to the nearest town where the merchant was last seen. This sounds rather not glorious. This is ridiculous. Mercenaries and escorts, this is what you would ask of someone of our stature? That is ridiculous, preposterous. You could send some nobody dwarf to go do this bidding for you. And what is your name, tiefling? Sir Reginald. She reaches over, pulls out a gigantic tome, thumps it down onto the desk, flips through it, flips through it, gets to the area that appears to be somewhere around where the letter R would be if it was alphabetically. Of House Brant. I see no Sir Reginald here in our log of Which surprises me not. Apparently, you dwarves barely get out into sunlight out of your mountains. What I'm trying to say, Reginald, Sir Reginald, is that as far as we're concerned, you have no standing. If you would like grander adventures, as you claim, you must earn that standing before they will be presented to you. As a matter of fact, I feel this particular task is above what adventurers of your type would be suited for, in my opinion. Posters. 
do believe the midden heap needs to be cleaned out. That could earn you some stature with us. I will take escorting the purse. Thank you very much. Apparently, I'm stuck with him. Very well, then. See yourselves out of my office at the quickest opportunity. On my way out, I knock her name plaque down. <laughs> I, I pick it back up as he turns away. And I looking knock it, it back, on back the desk. down. She is a dwarf. She's close to the ground. She can pick it up herself. Sorry, I'm so sorry. So as the two of you exit the office, you do notice that for the middle of the fall, it is a little colder than usual. You've heard reports that winter has come very early this year, and that does match up with what she told you of the merchant being stranded in the contested zone. It's much earlier than usual, but it appears the Arston tribes are making their way into the Thrasian lands. Well, that could at least be fun. <laughs> so, as you know, to get from Vungrim to Thardim, it is a two-day journey over land. Would you like to set out immediately? Did they make... With their arrangements for our travel, did they make any arrangements for winter gear, or is that something we are supposed to acquire on our own? The dwarves consider it lucky that they're giving you any passage at all. Then before we set out, I'm going to go ahead and suggest that we go ahead and get some, you know, furs or something to stave off the cold. What say you, Reggie? You... <laughs> Fine, sorry, sorry. Sir Reggie. You may go and fetch my furs as well. There must be an inn somewhere here where I can go and have a proper meal before we leave. Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand our relationship. I'm not your servant. I will make sure that there are stories to be sung about your greatness as I'm paid to do so. But you can come along and you carry your You are a useless half-orc. Fine. I will summon Bob, who will go and fetch my furs for me. Who the hell's Bob? Bob is my invisible servant. Ugh. <sighs> So how do you summon Bob, Sir Reginald? It has been some time since I've cast this spell, but I do know that I can summon Bob whenever the hell I want. So, <laughs> There's a Bob and I can summon him. Okay. I'm summoning Bob. Very well, then. What does Bob look like? Bob is a spirit. Yeah. He's my invisible servant who can go and fetch me things. So, so wait a minute, Bob, you have an invisible servant and you hear voices in your head. Are you sure you're okay for this trip? Uh, you, apparently you're hearing the same voice. So I'm you not need not to any voices. I'm talking to you, Bob, go fetch me my furs. Okay, so Bob runs along. You see him go over to a nearby merchant, grab up a couple of furs and bring them over to you. The merchant, however, is very startled by the fact that several of his furs are floating away. Once he sees you pick up the furs from Bob, he points at you and starts cursing in Dwarvish. Do any of you speak Dwarvish? Nope. I do not. Speak well, common tongue, you fool. What are you trying you to tell the me? the general gist of what he's saying when he pulls out a cudgel and starts walking towards you. I sidestep away. These furs are hardly worth the fight. How much do they cost, you ugly halfling? Halfling? I look like a bloody halfling to you. You are closer to the ground than most. How much for these pitiful furs? For you? 30 silver. No. 
No. I will give you five. Five there is nobody else cost you anywhere that's going to buy them. Your business is obviously not doing well. Look about you. There's nobody here. Take the money. You'll have a story to tell your ugly children. Settling. It's okay here. It's okay. We're all friends. Ask for your help, you person on the dwarf. We're all friends here. All right, Sir Reginald, why don't you make a persuasion roll? Okay, again with the fancy dice. What does that mean? The narrator reminds you you have a plus five in persuasion. I know what I'm doing. Be quiet. I am actually casting Charm Person on the Dwarf, just so you know. Uh, Go ahead and roll that again, the Charm Person. I'll give you advantage for that. I don't know what that means, but fine. You just press the up arrow and it'll paste your last roll back in. All right. So the dwarf looks at you. His features seem to soften a bit. Fine. Ten silver. Seven. And that is a lot more than it's worth. It smells of rotten elderberries. There's a stain on the right lapel. Seven. Deal. Fine. Throws the money on the ground. Pick it up. <laughs> so mark the uh, furs into your inventory and take off seven silver. Tag, are there any preparations you're making? Yeah, we'll also be buying a set of furs. And does he have any, like, snowshoes or anything like that as well? The dwarves walk on snow just fine themselves. You'd probably have to go to another town to find such an implement. All right, then I'll just pick up some furs. Okay, five silver. Excellent. Why, thank you, my good friend. You will be praised in the songs that I sing of the dwarven people. Your kindness is not for, well, not for you forgotten. Rolling my eyes at this imbecile. What color are your eyes again? Amber. Must look rather awkward when they're being rolled. It works just fine, and it gets the point across. <laughs> So the two of you are setting out? Yes. All unless right. unless uh, Sir Reginald has any other voices he wants to talk to before we leave town. I was going to go and grab some food before we leave so that we have some food for this journey. Is that all right? Is there an inn anywhere nearby where we of can get some food? Of course there's an inn. Uh, although I should remind you that you do already have rations on hand. Enough for a journey of this length? Yes. Easily. Fine. Actually, no, I take that back. You do not have rations. So I was right. Yes. Thank you, narrator, for listening to me. We go to the inn. Find the wench behind the bar. Oh, God. Tell her to prepare me some type of food that I can take with me on this journey. And that there had better not be any spoiled meat amongst it. Oh, no. Only the finest smoked yak for their trail rations. Ridiculous dwarven food. It had better be edible. They find it to be very edible, thick with spice, fine, wonderful aroma. How much Standard will this price cost? Is five copper for one day's worth of rations. How long will this journey take? Well, you know it's going to take you two days to get to Thardim, at least one other day to get to Gildim, and at least one other day round trip to pick up the merchant. So four at the minimum. We will take, (laughs) you will buy your own food, imbecile, five days worth of rations for me. 
Very well then, 25 copper. Fine. It had better oh. be worth it. Unlike some, I'm already prepared for this, so yeah. I don't have to buy any rations because, well, I'm not a softy completely. Stick with me, Reggie. One day you'll learn how to survive without getting stabbed. It'll be great. I hope somebody breaks your loot along the way. Well, I could always go to my backup bagpipes. Would you prefer that? I hear the dwarves are fans of that. Regardless, I'll not be listening. You may not have a choice. Are we ready to set out now, gentlemen? I am. Yes. All right. Who is leading the party? I am, of course. This man is of no standing whatsoever and plays this ridiculous instrument. He was obviously the idiot from his village and they are missing him right now. Okay. Why don't you roll a d6? All right. The first day passes uneventfully and you find a nice place to set up camp. Now, this is where out of game, it's going to be very awkward to have a proper long rest with two characters since you both need a full night's sleep. So keeping watch is kind of out of the question. So I'm just going to kind of hand wave away the nights. <laughs> so at the beginning of the second day, Sir Reginald, are you still leading? Yes, of course. All right. He's Roll not proved DD6. himself in one day. I assure you of that. So I'm trying to eat a squirrel. Squirrels good eating. I don't know what your problem is with squirrel. Rabbits, squirrels, all sorts of fuzz, fuzzy little creatures. You licked its anus before you ate it. That's what's wrong. Are you sure you didn't just see things? No, I'm quite certain. Mm. I'll have to keep that in well, mind. At around midday, you see a small bit of smoke rising from a copse of trees. As you get a little closer, you see a number of brightly painted wagons. Any identifying markings that I can see from here? Just the most eye-destroying combinations of colors you've ever seen in your life. Anything in my bardic travels, does it indicate anything like any traveling troops, gypsies, anything I might know of? Um, go ahead and roll, well, let's say insight. While he does that, I begin walking towards the caravans. Very well. Fool. Imbecile taking too long. Hello! As you approach <sighs> the fire at the center of the caravans, which... Tag has no idea what they nope, are. Never he's seen. not even sure he's ever seen a four-wheeled cart before. <laughs> not even close. I'm not surprised. The imbecile has not been let out of his around the fire. A group of what initially appear to be children, but you come to realize are halflings, stirring a cook pot over the fire. Children, where are your parents? From behind one of the uh, caravans you hear a bit of laughter and you see a finger point exactly where you're looking. What am I supposed to be seeing? Have, have you never seen these before? These what? The one stirring the cook pot looks up and is startled to see someone of your appearance standing before him. He takes a half step to the left and puts himself between you and the nearest female. You need not fear. I have no interest in this child thing. What, what what brings you to our campfire, Master Tiefling? We're just going through, smell the food, thought it would be very kind of you to offer us some of your rations for our long and epic journey. Well, well, well uh, of of course, yes, it 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 would be 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 perfectly spit it out us. or get me somebody who knows how to speak. As the lead driver of this caravan, it is my 
duty to speak to visitors. Just I I apologize. It has it has been a while since I have seen anyone like yourself. But yes, it would be our pleasure to serve our guests some of our meal. We would we would love to share our cooking with you. What will, will your companion be joining us? He no. seems rather fascinated by our wagons. He has enough They're food to so last. Bright. He does not need any you, of this. How do you get them to stay this bright? Why, halfling ingenuity, of course. We are well, we are half the size, which means we must work twice as hard. Ah, yes. Well, perhaps I should uh, introduce ourselves, or at least myself. The other one can introduce himself. He seems rather fond of that. Master Halfling, my name is Tag. I am a uh, wandering minstrel. I would love to regale you with song and story in exchange for supper. Oh, that that is that is not necessary. We it's really it, not it is necessary. Our, it is our way to share with but outsiders, but we must share the definitely. In, indeed, we would we would enjoy a story. At this point, the female who was standing to his left, and at, at this point, he speaks up and realizes his mistake. He's like, "Oh, I, I apologize. How rude of me. My name is Rickar. This is my wife, Binga, and welcome to our." Our, our humble traveling caravan. We thank you for your hospitality. Yeah, yeah. I am still waiting for some of this rations. And food. at this point, Binga hands you a bowl of steaming soup. Before I even have this, what exactly was put into this stew? Binga speaks up. It's like, oh, only the most wonderful of ingredients that we found along our travels. I snicker. And I kind of lean over. Make sure he gets the asshole. <laughs> oh, oh, Master Orc. <laughs> no, we give we give those to the pigs. Right, what I said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fine. I try the soup. Stew. Whatever. The stew is a little gamey. The, the, the meat is very lean. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to chew, but... Uh, not any fattiness to it. The the turnips and the potatoes and the vegetables are succulent. You can tell that uh, there must have been a garden nearby that they that they bought them from. But uh, it is it is very enjoyable. Tastes like you ran over this before cooking it, but it will have to do. Yes, that that was the unfortunate squirrel. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Excellent I squirrel stew, my favorite. Fine, finishes too. Meal is a meal when you're out in such hovels of places. All right. When you appear to be done, Ricker gets up, offers his hand to shake. Thank you for visiting our campfire and Master Orc. That was a wonderful performance. Anytime, Master Halfling. Anytime. You were lucky to have met us, and I don't shake his hand. (laughs) I definitely shake his hand and apologize profusely in hushed tones for the idiocy (laughs) of the tiefling behind me. All right. Well, the rest of your journey continues uneventfully. You arrive at Thardim just before nightfall. Where do you go? Were we supposed to meet up immediately with the contacts here, or do we have time before we set out? Do we know? You go to the local freelancers guild, but you say they are, see they are closed for the day, so you will have to wait until morning. Then I go ahead to the local tavern and inn and try to procure myself a room. And Sir Reginald, will you be joining him? The Freelancers Guild 
does it have a barracks section or is it only an office? As far as you know, at this point, it is only an office. Maybe with continued service, you can learn more about them. Service? Oh, it's... completing their quests. Oh, of course, of course. My friend, there my might friend, be more dwarfs should... lost in the middle of nowhere that we need to save. Because the freelancers are apparently a bunch of idiots that can't even read a map properly and hire dwarfs. Fine. I go to the inn as well. You've chosen wisely, my friend. All right. You go in, you see the innkeeper. Rather skinny man, uh, long brown hair. He's actually a human, not a dwarf innkeeper. He smiles and waves as you walk in. Hello, good sir. I need to procure myself a room and some drink for this evening. He smiles, looks you up and down. Song singer, eh? That is correct, sir. Would you give... like to hear a song or a tale, perhaps, of the epic warriors, the struggles for power, or the slaying of dragons and demons? Or perhaps you're more of the lover type and wish to hear the stories of those who have sought great romance? Well, I, I don't particularly care what you sing, but uh, maybe, maybe the patrons will uh, be interested if, if they seem to enjoy it enough. Your meal will be on the house tonight. Ah, a fine arrangement. Thank you. I shall start pulling the patrons. I go to the counter and ask him how much for a room for the night. Ah, we, we have some very fine rooms. I would charge you one silver. That's ridiculous. I turn around and I go back to the Freelancers Guild building. Once I'm there, I'm going to cast Open Window and climb in through the window. Unfortunately, the window is locked, and Thaumaturgy only works on unlocked windows. Well, that is just stupid. These dwarves are not foolish. Can I pry the window open? You can attempt. I am going to attempt to pry open the window. All right. Make an athletics check. What the hell does that mean? That means plus one. You actually chip a fingernail trying to open the window. Damn it! Damn it, damn it, damn it. I pull out my crowbar from my backpack. I I don't remember you having a crowbar. I have a crowbar in my Dungeoneer backpack. Again, I don't recall you having a crowbar. If the narrator would be so kind as to look <laughs> at the screen at my information I, I, that is I believe you. handily you have, presented. You have a crowbar. I have a crowbar well. and a hammer. I will use one and or both to pry open this window. No dwarven technology is that strong that it can withstand a crowbar and hammer to open it. Very well then. Make another strength check, this time with advantage. I don't know what that means. means roll twice. <laughs> Same roll you just made. All right. You managed to pry the window open. Now I need you to make a stealth check. No. First I call in and I say, hello, is anybody there? Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're, you need to make a stealth check. Oh, fine. That is also a plus one. Bob should be doing this rolling for me. A dwarven guard comes around the corner. Hey, what you doing over there? Get out of there. No. The guild mistress won't be, won't be happy to find somebody rooting around in her office. Then she should have been here to meet us as she was supposed to be. 
we are supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in this hall to meet her. She is not here. That's her problem. I will wait for her inside. He points at a placard next to the door. You daft idiot. What does that say? And as you look, you see uh, office hours, sun up to sundown. How can you tell sun up from sundown when you're surrounded by mountains and rocks? There's still a sky overhead, isn't there? Now you can either close that window and go about your business. Or you can spend the night in the dungeon. I offer him 25 silver to turn around and walk away. And forget he ever saw me. Make a persuasion roll. Plus five for you. He very calmly pockets the money, walks around the corner, and leaves you alone. I climb into the building, close the window behind me. Unfortunately, you also notice... Oh, for Christ's sakes. Your purse is one gold coin lighter than you were expecting. He didn't get that close to me. He didn't. Okay. Flame... I cast Flame Flicker. It's... Just for your information, the halfling rolled a 24 on his sleight of hand. What halfling? The halfling that fed you lunch. Bastards! Uh, Tag, you also, uh, during the course of your night, notice yourself missing a gold coin. (laughs) It was worth it. It was worth it for that. So you're just going to spend the night inside the office? I am going to find a comfortable chair and sit down and wait. Very well, then. While you are waiting, Tag, why don't you give us a performance roll to see how well you did for the patrons? There you go. All right. So your meal is free, but you will still have to pay for your room. That's perfectly fine. All right. So that is a five silver for one night stay. So once morning comes, Tag, are you going to meet the uh, guild mistress at the freelancers or are you going to sleep in a bit? Nope. I will be prompt and early. All stories must start on time. Very well. Then you're standing outside as the sun rises as another dwarf wearing fine robes. But you can see this one not quite as proper as Bruce Bino was. She has some. Some braids in her beard. You, you can see that you know she she's done a little bit of work in her life, other than just being a pure bureaucrat. Ah, good morning, Mister Storff. Mister Orc, how may I help you? We were well. I was told to meet here for the next leg of my journey. I am Tag. Oh, you're 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 the ones from from Voongrim. Yes, we are here to escort a certain person of interest. Or at least go to him and escort him back. The job called for two people. I assume he'll be along shortly. I can hardly keep tabs on him. Such the effervescent personality that he is. Very well, very well. Come come in. Thank you. She unlocks the door. Once inside, you notice there is not a separate desk for the scribe. It would appear this, uh, this dwarf does all of her own work. She doesn't need somebody else to do the penmanship for her. And what do they see when they walk in, Sir Reginald? I'm sitting patiently, waiting, and I say, it is about time. I... Did you... Who, who are you? Here? You were to meet us yesterday, so that we could discuss our saving of your pitiful 
cohort who is lost in the wild. First of all, sir, I waited until the sun went down. You did not arrive. If anybody was late for our meeting, it was you. No, we are helping you with this quest. Second of all, you are not helping us. You are helping the Thoracian Merchants Guild. We are merely the middlemen providing you the opportunity for work. Yes. Pass responsibility to somebody else. How very much like short people. I just kind of put my head in my hands, shake my head, and just... <sighs> really? Really? Be nice. Try it. Just, just once. Just once. I will I light fire to that thing you call an instrument. If you keep feel this free, up. feel free to try. I assume you're not trying. I cast flame flicker on his. Uh, all that does is make candles flicker. <laughs> but it might scare him. So the candles in the room dance a little bit. I cast press the digitation and move your cloak just a little bit. I can do that too. We could go all day. Or you could just be nice to her. She's working hard. She's you two are oh, supposed to be working quiet, together. Imbecile. I'm only because of him. <sighs> with playing him because with each I have other. To. What? What kind of? Just <sighs> anyway. She sits down at her desk. You see, she has a nameplate similar to the first, but without the gold inlay. Her name is Yafrusa Honormail. She digs around in her file. She's like, "Yes, yes, uh, you are to set out mid morning." Head on down to the shipping yard and meet a one <clears throat> Kalumen Flaskbringer. He will be the master of the caravan that will be covering your entrance into the contested area. Flaskbringer? You people don't know how to have proper last names. Flaskbringer? Fine. It, it, is, it is a very noble name. Oh, uh, it sounds it, very It noble. is honored amongst the caravans. Ooh, I'm impressed. Fine. If if there's anything dwarves honor, it is the one that brings the alcohol from town to town. Of course it would. I would have to drink if I looked like you as well. Good day, sirs. Good luck on your mission. Goodbye. Storm out. Close the door. Loudly. I open the door and exit quietly and shut the door calmly. All right. I assume you are heading to the shipping dock? Yes. Of course. Do you know where the shipping dock is? I look around. There's some small, ridiculous-looking dwarf, and I tell him to point the way to the shipping docks. He's, you know, rooting around in a sack. You can see maybe he's uh, trying to set up for uh, hawking his wares. And he kind of pokes his arm pokes his finger over his shoulder, uh, pointing in the general southeasterly direction. We start walking that way. All right. So after a time, you see the smaller buildings kind of peter out. No more shops, no more inns, none of that sort. And it just opens up into a large square with large roads running in every, every direction. And it is not, of course, a shipping dock like many of you would be used to from the coast. Instead, it is a large ramp that heads down underground. You see on the ramp there are iron rails laid into the stone. There is a large wheel, approximately 30 feet across, with chains attached to it, and you can actually see two mules are hooked up to the, the wheel, walking around in circles. Uh, they appear to be pulling a large weight up from the underground dock. Oh, quite interesting. I've never quite seen the likes of this. 
perhaps I shall we shall go find uh Caldrum Flaskbringer before your tempers spoil is again. Go down in the shipping place thing. All right. You get uh probably about uh fifty feet down, you hear a voice yelling out from the catwalk above. You daft idiots, you wanna get crushed? That's for cargo, not for people. Two feet. The door on your left. Ah, thank you. Go through the door. All right. So you take a staircase. It winds. It goes down, down, down. Far enough that you've kind of lost track of how far down you've gone. Eventually, it opens up to a what looks like a rail station. Uh, you see a number of large carts fitted with metal wheels sitting in a large uh, iron double rail, much like gigantic mine carts, if you will. Uh, attached to the front of each cart is a pair of oxen. Uh, you, you can see that these carts, each one is about 20 feet wide by 40 feet long, so that they can definitely carry a, a large amount of weight. There's a, there's a few dwarves in the last cart uh, slinging some sacks to the ground. Looks like they're just about finished unloading their previous run. I'll head over towards them. Hail, Master Dwarves. We, uh, we seek Caldrum Flaskbringer. Might pray tell where we find him. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah. He, he looks off to the left. Hey, Cal, the orc you ordered is here. Oh, I don't know about ordered, but uh, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> you see a, a, another dwarf. Long, brown braided hair, but very, very short beard. Uh, he comes walking out. He's wearing, looks to be like a like a leather armor almost. You can see a, a mace at his hip. So it, not what you would expect from somebody in shipping, but knowing that you've been hired on as mercenaries, also not entirely unexpected, I suppose. Ah, you the guys from the merchant. That we are, sir. Well met, Master Flaskbringer. Uh, nice to meet you too, sir. Tag. You may call me Tag. Ah, Sir Tag. And is there anyone with you? I kind of walk Lance forward without him saying anything and say, I am Sir Reginald. Ah, Sir Tag, Sir Reginald. Uh, nice, he is nice not a Sir. He is just a Tag. One earns a title. As you say, sir, he looks and he sees the weapons about you. You any good with those? I can hurt people if I have to. If that's what you mean. I am quite, quite well versed in bow and blade, sir. I, I certainly hope it won't come to that, but uh, you, you, you never know. We This is our first run of the year. We don't normally use this trading route, but uh, with the winter coming, we have to we have to go down the track and make sure everything's safe for the, uh, the big shipments to come later this year. So uh, we'll just be running two carts empty. You two, myself, and two of my best men will be coming with us. Uh, no cargo. Just going to make a quick run into, out to Gildim and make sure the tracks are good. We'll be leaving in uh, about 20 minutes. We, that sounds whoa, whoa, fine. Whoa. We are not transporting any cargo. We are merely testing tracks. You really need people of my caliber here with you to test a track? Pardon him. He seems to forget the nature of why we're here. I've to retrieve somebody forgot. from the other end. Yeah, we, we don't need you. Me boys would be just fine. This is just a mutual agreement to get you to where you need to be. Fine. 
fine. You help us, we help you. If if you'd like, you can pay five gold each and just take a ride. I, I am quite well capable of working, thank you. As soon as you can get that stupid instrument out of his hands. One All must right. pass the time somehow. So the 20 minutes pass, the dwarves at the back of the uh, caravan finish tossing the sacks out, and you see them loading them onto... Uh, another cart to take them uh, above ground. The the two dwarves then come up to the front. Hey, Cal, we're ready when you are. It's like, and Cal turns to him. He's like, yes, uh, our extra help appears to have arrived. They seem quite eager. So uh, let's get this show on the road. They, Cal hops into the front cart. The other two dwarves hop into the second cart. Cal waves for you two to join him in the front cart. I pop right in. I go sit in the cart at the front. All right. He clicks the lines, and the oxen start moving down the, path, the track. Uh, within the first 10, 15 minutes, you notice most of the light has dimmed down. Uh, one of the dwarves in the rear cart sets about lighting some torches that are in the corners, the four corners of the cart. Cal calls back, hey, why don't you get the torches back there? I'll go ahead and light the ones in the back. Obviously, uh, I don't believe Sir Reginald will be moving anytime soon. Lighting torches is hardly a task worthy of my obvious abilities. Yes, I heard. Breaking and entering, right? I had to wait. Make my point made. What point was that? That you could break and really, enter? I feel that there's no point in arguing with someone of your intelligence or lack thereof. Well, I mean, you may be right, or you may be just a criminal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Criminal. Yes, indeed. Let's see. Your father sends I've you out. I've heard your singing. You might that is on. criminal. You're breaking into offices. You're a jerk to most people. I mean, I don't know. You're just throwing off all these mixed signals. I'm just, you know. Thank you for your worthy opinion. I'll tuck that away. Oh, don't you won't have to worry about it. It'll be on the soundtrack later. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you two ride in the cart for a while. It's hard to tell how much time has passed since there's no outside light source. But you you know it's been long enough because you're starting to get tired of Sir Reginald. I start singing songs about brave, brave Sir Reginald, the bane of all windows. Cal holds up his hand. Shh, shh, halt. And he slows his oxen down and the secondary cart slows down. He squints his eyes, and he points down. Uh, Tag, you have dark vision, correct? 60 feet. All right. So both of you notice a very small light flickering down at the end of the tunnel. Not supposed to be any other torches. You too. And he glances at you, Sir Reginald and Tag. Go, go check that out. See what's going on. I'm already out of the cart and starting to move forward. Are you joining him, Sir Reginald? I slowly get out of the cart and walk behind him. All right. Once you're a little closer, you can see it's very, very faint. Calling it a torch would be way more than it deserves. But you see faint light. And you see two small figures hunched in front of it. You can hear some mumbling. Can't quite make out what it is. They seem to be just kind of huddled around this tiny, tiny speck of light. Can we tell what they are? At this point, all you can see is shadowy shapes. They're both between you and the, and the light source, so you can't really make out any details that well. How far away are they? 
Uh, at this point, they're about 30 feet away. Cool. Sleep. 5d8. Ooh. Is that a cantrip or a level one? That's a level one. Okay. Just so I can look it up myself. It's a straight 5d8 roll. 24 hit dice worth of creatures go to sleep. Hit dice or hit points? Hit points. Hit points. All right. Well, both of the figures just drop. And I cautiously move forward. And I cast Eldritch Blast on them. No! Well, you can choose one of them. The bigger uh, one. Since it's a... uh, Since it's inactive, you will gain... Uh, advantage on the attack roll. So go ahead and make your Eldritch Blast attack roll, which would be a d20 uh, plus five. And again, roll that twice. All right, well, don't even bother with the second roll because the first one hits. And since it is an unconscious enemy, it is an automatic crit. So Eldritch Blast does 1d10. So roll 2d10 for damage. All right, so you absolutely obliterate one of the small figures. You just see chunks of meat fly off of it and what's left of it goes flying a good 20 feet down the passage this is not nap time i turn around what is wrong with you did you want to bring him a pillow and a blankie as well take them alive and find out why the hell they're down there is still one and now we have leverage and now we don't have leverage because if there's any more of them down there they know that we're aggressive and they're probably going to stab us Thanks. I, you can go first now. I approach the one that's, I'm assuming, has woken up. No, it, it, it'll sleep until you mess with it. Fine. I poke it and I say, you, look at your friend. Tell us how well, many the, there are. The, of you. the creature you see before you is a small rat-like being uh, covered, you know, has whiskers, covered in rags. Uh, it wakes up and it just starts chittering, chittering. Candle. Can- candle safe. Safe candle. Oh, my God. He, he looks around. We're, we're friend. We're, we're candle friend. I yeah, cast candle flame friend? flicker on his candle. His eyes grow wide. Candle safe. Candle safe. Be gone. I wave him away. And then I call back to the idiots he, behind. He kind of he kind of shuffles a couple steps to the side, but he won't leave the candle. I I take out a portable candle from my bag, light it, and hand it to him. Did you just see his eyes bulge? He he looks at the candle. Candle, big candle, big big safe candle. He he, he looks up at you. And he looks back at the candle and he looks back up at you. I give him a winsome smile. I forget, are they uh, out of character? Are they draconic in this world still or no? I don't believe so. I can look that up real quick. No. Okay. Oh, no, they they do do speak draconic, yeah. Okay. Take candle and go. Be gone, peace. I glare down at the little creature and pretend as if I'm casting Eldritch Blast again. I turn back to you. He didn't see it the first time, dumbass. He'll know. He can sense the power. I'm pretty sure he's more interested in the candle I just gave him. Uh, he, he, he can see Sir Reginald's eyes start to glow a little brighter, and he looks at the candle. He looks around for his friend, doesn't, doesn't see him in the immediate vicinity, and just runs off down, down the tunnel in the direction of uh, where the caravan is. 
The caravan? Well, the, 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 the two carts. I call back and say, it's safe. Bring your damn carts. All right. So you, you hear the, the oxen start huffing and working their way down. Um, Tag, you notice the candle is giving off a, an odd odor. Like it's like sick, oily scent. Oh, crap. It's TNT, isn't it? No, it's it's a candle. Just the, the smoke, the color is a bit off. Like it's not what you would expect from a normal candle. Debt magic? No, no, no magic. Okay, hmm. are we still talking about the little rodent? Is he now no. traveling with us? No, the the no. candle that was on the the ground that they were huddling around. Ah, fine. What do you make of this? This doesn't look like a normal candle. Hey, smart guy. Dip a finger in the wax. Okay. And taste only a bit of it and immediately spit it out to determine what that taste is, what it is. I won't even make you roll for it. As far as you can tell, the wax itself is just normal wax. Is it still lit? Barely. It's it's maybe an eighth of an inch left. Burn out the flame. Lick fingers, put out flame. There, problem solved. And you do. There. Put the candle in my backpack. Call back to the caravan. Tell them that it's safe. All right. How do you like Caravan. that? I took your candle. Caravan catches up. You see uh, one of the dwarves from the back cart cleaning off his sword. How'd you let one of them get away? They're just kobolds. Ask him. I wasn't going to waste time on it. Just wanted it to go the hell away. Uh, you're lucky me boys had your back. We took care of it. Yes, quite lucky. Fine. Well done. Sit back in the cart. All right. The carts go about their way again. Another interminable amount of time passes as far as your concerns are, Reginald. It just must be days or weeks that you've been down in this stupid tunnel. And again, after a amount of time, Cal raises his hand, stops the carts, looks down. What the hell is this? And Take he a look over. Down. Uh, you notice that uh, the track is missing. Like, just, just gone, gone? It's It just ends. The rails are missing. I get out of the cart. Huh. Lean over. Does it look like it's been sheared or ripped or cut? Yeah, you can see there's there's some wear around it. Um, make an investigator check. Ooh, I can do that. Nope. Wow. I think you said you could do that. <laughs> Yeah, well, no. Passive yeah, investigation, yes. Regular imbecile. It's just not there. I've been saying he's an imbecile all this time. I walk out of the cart, look at the Yahoo manning the yak, and ask, I thought you said there was a track that led all the way out. I'm fairly confident that, you know, a yak did this. I mean, just look at it. I'm not speaking to you. Dwarf person, where is your track? That's that that that's a great question. I I've never seen anything like this. And he calls back. He's like, "Bro, foe, come up here. Check this out." You know, two dwarves come running up. Whoa, cow! What what happened? I I got no idea. He starts looking around. 
And he sees there's a path to the left and a path to the right. Were these paths here before? And you can see that the they've kind of been tunneled in. It, it's not naturally occurring. He's like, is it? We usually keep this maintained, close up any passages we come across. I have to make a note to close these off, but uh, we need to figure out where the, where the hell the track went. I, any any drag marks? You can see it's, like it's not like the entire track is missing. But Just like a section? Yeah, there's, there's a good 60 feet of it missing. He's like, I, I can make a temporary fix, but it, it's, it's going to take a while. And we can't we can't take these carts over the, the, the dirt. They'll just dig right in. Well, well, then I guess we should probably have a look around and see what the heck happened here. While we're right. looking around, they should remove 60 feet of track from behind us and lay it in front of us. Well, that's not going to help on the way back. We Cal- will, on the way back, take 60 feet from behind us and put it in front. And then once we're back... It's their problem to fix their own damn track. Cal promises you that by the time you return, the track will be ready to move on. Would you like to go left or would you like to go right? Which way does the track normally go? If there's still track The track there, normally goes straight. But you said there's still track. There's only about 60 feet missing, which means that down one of those paths is the track. Yes, both of these paths are coming in from the side they run perpendicular to the track well i flip a coin comes up tails i start moving to the right all right once cal sees you moving to the right he calls to the other two doors and tells them to check the left passage so as you're going down the right passage of my uh short or yeah long sword of my long sword drawn and start just kind of carefully moving forward do i see anything on the ground or Anything it looks like drag marks or anything like that? Nothing that you can tell at this point, but uh, you reach a small curve and you can see another faint glow coming from around the corner. Same like before? Possibly. It's, it's definitely a weak light source, but until you can actually get line of sight on it, you won't be able to tell what it is. Start cautiously moving forward. I cast Invisible Servant and tell Bob to go scout ahead. Okay. Can Bob communicate with you in any way? Of course he can. He's my invisible servant. I don't think that was part of the... I'm telling you, Bob knows how to speak. He may be many things, but he knows how to speak. Certainly more intellect than this half-orc man-child. Clearly. Doesn't say Bob can't talk. This is what I told you. No, it says he's mindless. Mindless would imply a lack of communication. So Bob goes around the corner and then comes back and just stares at you. That was really useful. I'm so glad you did that. I start moving forward. Apparently Bob's forgotten how to speak. Can't see Bob. Telling you. Yeah. Who are you talking to, Oaf? You. Fool. You sat there. Your eyes glowed. I figured you tried to do something. All right. Well, you get around the corner. And you see some large insects. The the glow actually appears to be emanating from within them. I guess voice boom to scare them away. The boom echoes down. They the house. give zero fucks. They just you, know, you see that you see their beetle shells really? kind of open up and their wings. They flutter. give zero fucks. 
this is what we're going with. I think they would give a lot of fucks is what I'm saying. It's an intimidating voice boom. These are big-ass bugs. <laughs> big-ass bugs. Let me tell you exactly how big they are. <laughs> yeah, each bug is probably about a foot long. Not that big. And there's four of them. And you're going to have to get past them to continue down the uh, the corridor. I cast command on one of them, and I command it to attack the others. They're, they're bugs. Command only works if they can understand speech. Damn you, narrator. I walk over and I cut one with my sword. <laughs> All right, I'll give you a surprise attack on that, so go ahead and uh, roll with advantage. Ooh, that is the wrong dice. Roll with advantage. If you want, the easy way to roll with advantage is just to do roll uh, 2d20, dl1, drop lowest one, and then your plus five, and it'll do... But anyway, yes, you, you absolutely hit it, so go ahead and deal your damage. All right, and it just... You slice it right down the middle. It has no defense whatsoever. So at this point, we should roll initiative. So again, Roger, for you, that would be a d20 plus one. What are we waiting for? Well, I've been muted for quite a while. <laughs> I don't know how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> All right. Uh, Apparently tag, our narrator is an imbecile as well. <laughs> Apparently, if you press enter when the Skype window is active, it mutes you. All right. So that one hits as well. Go ahead. Roll your damage. All right. You drive your sword into it. It twitches, but still seems to be moving. So well, at this no point... Two of the beetles are going to attack the guy that just stabbed two of their friends. And they roll at a plus one. I believe the first one hits. Yep. And so does the second one. Yep. You got this man child or would you like some assistance? Five damage. And the first one just doesn't do anything to you. Well, that was unpleasant. The third beetle lunges for the tiefling. I wasn't doing anything. I was minding my own business. You're there. It's a target. I cast Eldritch Blast. It misses entirely. All right. So, uh, Sir Reginald, it is now your turn. You said you're casting Eldritch Blast. Yes, I am. On which one? Apparently the one that's attacking me. All right. Go ahead and do so. In your time. I appear to lost the page that indicates... Your 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 spell your pe- your spell casting is at a plus five. Oh yeah, you nail it. Roll your d10 damage. Infernal dice things. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Get. <sighs> this is just ridiculous. What do you? I am trying to roll these magical dice. They are not cooperating as I knew they would not. All right. Plus something? No, just a straight D10 for damage. There. All right. So, yeah, you you blast the carapace right off of it. And it just twitches and falls motionless. You see how that's done, man-child? Oh, you mean like the one that I killed before? By sneaking up on it, there's honor in that in your kind. Tag, it is now your attack again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which one yeah. were you attacking? 
the one the one that I had previously killed or attacked. So I'm pretty sure that's I, I'm not even going to make your yeah. roll damage. It's gone. It, you just in one motion, you managed to chop all six of its legs off. You got to have a little panache when you're fighting. Come on. And then the last beetle is again attacking you, Tag. It scores another hit. Of course it does. For two damage. Uh, how how much uh, HP do you have there, Bard? Ten. Total? I'm now down to three. Okay. And, Sir Reginald, it looks like Tag really needs your help. I asked if he wanted help, and he did not tell me if he wanted any. Until he tells me that he would like my help because he cannot do this by himself, I will let him learn from his mistakes. Are you going to ask for help? Nope. All right, so it would appear that Sir Reginald is foregoing his action this turn, and it's back around to you, Tag. I'm going to go ahead and cast Healing Word on myself. All right. So you regain 6 HP, I'm assuming? That is correct. All right, and the Fire Beetle will make another attack. Still at you, Tag. And I believe that misses. That does miss. All right. So, Reginald, it is once again your turn. Would you like my assistance, Manchild? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure we're okay here. Wouldn't want you to sully yourself. That's fine by me. I will just wait. Okay, then, Tag, back around to you. I'm going to go ahead and guess that misses. Uh, yes, that, that most definitely yeah. does miss. And once again, the fire beetle misses again. Sir Reginald, are you still doing nothing? That is entirely up to the imbecile. I'm not asking for your help. Okay, we're just going to sit here and miss all day. All right, that'll hit. Go ahead and roll your damage. And yes, you just, you, you, you crush the final beetle. It took you long enough. Well, I just wanted to make sure you got your money's worth. All right. As the beetles are dead, you notice their bodies continue to glow, however. Does it look like it's the same material as the candle? No. I've never seen anything like this. I'm going to scoop one of the carapaces up and throw it in one of my bags. Okay. This might be That's useful later. Nice sliminess. You can see a little, little bit of glow emanating from around the edges of your pack. One huh. moment, please. Let me check something. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I walk up to the carapace, one of them. I look over at the idiot beside me and tell him that he may want to take a step back. And using my tinderbox, send a little bit of flame onto the carapace to see if it ignites. It. It kind of smolders a little bit, but it it doesn't catch flame. It's gooey with beetle gut. Nothing of use here. Walking away. All right. Carrying on. Yep. Can sally forth. All right. You continue down the passage. It winds a little to the left, a little to the right. Occasionally goes up, occasionally goes down. And you see off in the distance another faint glow. I start moving up very cautiously. I just walk straight up. All right. You see, again, the glow of beetles, but this time, again, they're they're just the empty carapaces. It's been ravaged by some larger creature. I slow down. 
<laughs> Where's all so the bravado? Are, do, you, do you need help? There's a difference between being a fool and rushing in when there is an obvious problem, an obvious source of aggression up ahead and singing songs about it. Man, I mean, I don't know about you, but songs about 10-foot-tall beetles, that, that's, a, that's an epic poem right there. Yeah, yeah. Then by all means, go forth and see what is lying in wait for us. Yeah, why the hell not? Quietly attempt to stealth my way up a little bit. Uh, would you like to make a stealth roll? Yes, I would. Eh, that'd probably be good enough. So at this point, as you continue down, you're, you're pretty much in pitch black, but both of you have dark vision, so you can still see... You know, the edges of the, the tunnel. And you can obviously tell there's no more fire beetles in the immediate vicinity, but there is still that very faint glow <laughs> emanating from Joe's back, or I'm sorry, Tag's backpack. Well, it's I have a little side bag that I put it in and then thrown it in my bag, so I don't know if the light's going to be emanating okay. through two bags. Fair enough. So as you go on, you, you can hear a, kind of a skittering sound from up ahead. Big skittering, little skittering, lots of skittering. Lots of skittering. I, uh, is that look, the dog whining or you? That, that was uh, appropriately timed dog whine. I literally whimper <laughs> and I go, there's going to be more of them. I just kind of like who let the canines in like there's uh there's probably a lot of them up there, dude. Well, if it was more beetles, you'd be able to see them. So it's it's probably not a beetle. Sounds like lots of little legs. I don't know if they're beetles, probably not beetles, but probably something else. So... You know, I actually here's a question. I'm gonna how, far, how far away did I think I placed the skittering? It's probably a good ten to fifteen feet in front of you. Really? Mm-hmm. Alright. So like it it's obvious you can hear it. So I'm going to go ahead and grab a copper piece out of my bag. I'm gonna cast okay. light onto it. Okay. And I'm gonna toss it down the tunnel. All right. As 20... you toss it, go ahead. As as it flies down, you you see, you know the 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 rocks around it are just kind of illuminated, but you can definitely see one of the rocks reflects the light, like it's shiny. Interesting. While he's pondering this, I reach into my backpack and I pull out the cobalt's candle and light it. All right. At which point. The rock unfurls itself, and you see to be a gigantic centipede, and it comes rushing towards the light. I throw the light towards Thad, the candle. <laughs> okay, do you throwing it at him, at his feet? I'm throwing it directly at him. A surprise toss. He would normally instinctively try to catch it because it's flying right at him. Well true but there's so little of the candle left that the the motion just kind of blows it out but you can still hear the centipede coming for you and you can see it coming would you like to stand and fight or run away i cast true strike on it all right so at this point again we're going to roll initiative how does one do that again uh d20 and for you that is plus one wow nicely well done. done all right wow jeez. <laughs> All right, well, since the centipede has the higher initiative bonus, I'm going to let it go first on the natural 20. Uh, typically, you would ignore the bonuses on a natural 20, but we had two of those. So the centipede is rushing at the last point where it saw the light. 
Uh, Tag, I, I will give you an opportunity to dance away from the candle if you wish. Oh, yeah, I'm gone. Okay. Yeah, I, I figured you would have done that during the initiative roll, let's just say. Yeah. So it, you just kind of see it rear up on its legs and strike down in the dirt where the candle landed. So, uh, Sir Reginald, it is now your turn. I'm casting True Strike on it. I, I, I'll say you cast the True Strike on its way in, so the True Strike is active. Ah, I don't roll for True Strike? I don't believe so. I think Fair it's just, enough. Then it just happens. Now I'll double I'm check that, though. Casting Eldritch Blast on it. All right, and that is with uh, advantage because of the True Strike. What's... Yeah, True Strike just happens. Okay, so what does that mean? 1d20 plus... Again, we'll do 2d20, dl1, plus 5. Natural 20, you crit. So you're going to roll 2d10 for damage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you definitely hurt it. It's, it. it's not happy right now. You know, you, you know it's kind of... It's favoring one size as, as it's skittering around. You see it's... it's moving more or less in a circle now instead of slithering left to right, but it's uh, it's still active. So, Tag, it is now your turn. I'm going to go ahead and try to take a chop at it, see if I can put it out of its misery. Please do so. <laughs> you absolutely hit it. Again, roll your damage. Uh, double plus whatever your bonus is. Yep. You only had the bonus once. And that is most definitely enough to, to kill it. Well, that was large and gruesome. Inspect the creature. It's a big-ass centipede, now missing a few parts. Okay. Care uh, start moving forward again. We're not seeing nothing on the ground, like drag marks, nothing like that. No side passages. At this point, there's definitely no side passages. Uh, maybe if you had some light, you would be able to, to notice. I bend down more. and pick up the candle. Glare at the I have the... I hand you the coin. It's a 20-foot radius of light. Here you I go. I still want my candle back. I'm picking okay. up my candle and lighting it. Okay. You, know, you, you see some tiny little scraps of iron. I mean, they look like they've been laying here for a while. They're kind of corroded. But uh, what, whatever took the, the rails probably did come this way, yes. Interesting. How, how corroded do... Are these look like... Or that's been corroded. No, no, like it, it, you, you can definitely iron. You can tell it's worked iron. You know, there's there's ninety degree angles in the bits that aren't corroded, but it's kind of just like flaking away as you pick it up. Mm, it's not good. Okay, I guess we should probably cautiously move forward some more. See if we can find out what did it. I think it's not going to be fun. So I turn back to to you. I think whatever took the rails ate it. I walk past him and just walk at a brisk pace. <laughs> All right. As you continue down, you, you can see more and more of the scraps. It, you're definitely getting closer to whatever the source of this is. And again, you, you, can, you can hear it before you see it. This is more like you of, of a crunching sound almost. Like you can hear something rooting around in the dirt and every once in a while you'll hear like a like the sound of metal tearing almost. Well, move up, see what we can see. I will take the coin and uh, throw it in my bag so that there's no light coming from it for now because it's got an hour duration, so mm. kind of snuff it out so they don't see us first. Sir Reginald, your candle? I'm leaving the candle and walking at my same brisk pace. 
towards the sound. So yeah, this is just a bizarre looking creature as it comes within. It's it's chitinous, but it's not an insect. It has a tail. It has large feeler type antenna kind of sticking up from its head. It's only got four legs. So it's it's definitely weird looking. It's insect like, but probably not an actual insect. And as you kind of start to get a little close to it, you, you see the antenna sort of twitch in your direction. Stop moving. Look around where it is and see what else is in this area. If there's another pass, path beyond it or anywhere else, and what else is laying around in its cavern. It, it just kind of ends in a dead end, but you can see there's chunks of the, the rails laying around. They're probably foot to two feet long, uh, corroded all over but definitely still recognizable as the iron rails. Cast True Strike on it. Very well then, and we would roll initiative one more time. All right, Tag, as you're looking at the creature, you can see it. its antenna are still kind of wiggling in your direction, but the creature is still focused on the piece of rail that's in front of it. You can see it kind of salivating on it and munching away. It, it looks as if the, the creature's saliva is actually what's calling, causing the corrosion. How far away is it from us? Uh, at this point, I'd say it's about 30 to 40 feet. Too far for that, then. Well, your call. Do you want to try to bring it down? I step up as close as I have to be to cast Eldritch Blast, and I cast well, Eldritch it's, Blast it's, it's not your turn yet. He just asked me. Okay, he can ask. He just did. I'm going to hold my action. For? Oh, for, for, I'll well, see what it, he's going to do. In 5th edition, you can't just kind of hold. Do you want to ready it, or are you just going to pass? Yeah, I'll ready in action. And for for what uh, event are I'm you ready? I'm ready my well, I'm readying my short bow because I don't want to get into melee with this thing, and I'm just waiting to see what it does. All right, so if, if it makes an aggressive movement, you're going to shoot I'm it. Shoot it. Yep. Okay. So I, I I hear you saying Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Sir, Blast. Blast. All right. Again, same rolls before two d twenty plus something. Yeah, again, DL one plus five. As your true strike gives you advantage. Okay, they both miss. Well, it misses. Like you, you, you fire it in, and it just kind of sails right over its head. Does it react at all? It notices, but at this point, it's still more interested in the meal that's in front of it. So it's just going to continue munching on its turn. Take, taking a look at the cavern, does it look like this is a sturdy section of the cavern? You said the back end is a, uh, it a just, dead It's just end. dead ends. Like, it looks like it's been burrowed out over time. Like it, it's, it's rock, though. It's not like loose dirt and sand. So it's not really collapsible. If you put enough force into it, you could probably bring it down. What if I were to cast something, say, along the lines of Thunder Wave? Hmm. Let me see. It's a 15-foot cube of concussive force. I don't know if it will do anything to the rock, but, you know, figured I'd ask. You can certainly try. Let's put it that way. All right. I, uh, it's probably going to depend wanna... on how much actual damage you roll. We'll see. You uh, you may want to back up a little bit. I back up. Let's see if it is any good. Yep. All right. So it'll definitely strike. It has an opportunity to make a saving throw. Yeah, it gets a con save. I don't have his con in front of me right now. So give me one second. Made note of his dex, but not his con. 
And the oh, uh, right. visual, the verbal and somatic component for that is literally I take out the loot and just go, <laughs> And what's your uh, spell safe number? Uh, I, I'm going to guess it's not 20. No, it is not. So it takes <laughs> half damage. It doesn't get pushed. So he, takes, he takes seven damage. And yeah, the, the damage on that was quite significant. So it... It doesn't bring the ceiling down, but you, you can de- they're like there's little pebbles falling. You can see some cracks forming. I turn to you. If you can bring down the house, it might be a good idea. Sir Reginald. I inspect the ceiling, and instead of looking at the ceiling above where the creature is, I look at the ceiling at the entrance of its cave to see if it would be more easily brought down. It, it's, it's not really a cave. It's just a continuation of the passage. It's it's not a separate chamber. It's the same passage you've been walking down. It just ends here. There's definitely only one part of the ceiling that has cracks forming in it. I can tell you that much. Can I cast Eldritch Blast on the ceiling? Yes, you can. As a matter of fact, I won't even ask you to make the attack roll because I'm going to assume you can hit the ceiling. So what... I would just ask you to roll damage. Which is, I'm rolling what? 1d10. That is just enough. The, the ceiling caves in. You know, it it, it cra- crashes down upon the creature in front of you. Uh, you. You hear it make a terrible cry, a screech. Its antennas just quiver in every direction imaginable. It, rocks are pelting it left and right, up and down. It's, it's smashed and it, it just, it's buried at this point. Well, that is a problem solved. Was not a problem for us. You know, have you ever thought about a career in show business? You put on one hell of a light show. Apparently we're done here. We return to the carts. All right. Yeah, you know the passage behind you is safe. Uh, you pass by the centipede. You pass by the, the, the beetles that apparently were attacked by the centipede. Uh, you pass by the beetles that were attacked by these two fools. You get back. And you can see that uh, Cal has actually dismantled the wagons. And since each wagon was 20 feet long, one and a half wagons equals 60 feet worth of track. It's basically just a flatbed on wheels now. Hmm. But he sees you coming. He's like, what'd you find, boys? Eh, you know, this stereotypical giant monster that eats metal in a cave. Don't worry, the problem's handled. Yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, you don't want to know what me boys found in the other cavern. That was, that was not pretty. Really? What did they find? I have to know now. Hey, you, he points back and you see Bro has like a mushroom growing out of one of his shoulders. Ooh. And Foe is just completely missing an arm. I turn to uh, you, Sir Reginald, and just like, I think we chose wisely. I sit down in the cart and say, we're ready to leave. All right, and the rest of the trip occurs uneventfully. You make it to the Gildeem loading dock. Cal gets up, goes to the dock master, starts talking to him. Uh, you hear him talk about passages and dynamite and rocks and all, all that good stuff. You, you, he's basically making his report. All right, well, who are we supposed to meet here? Uh, you have no contact here. As you, as the, you were informed, the merchant is in a small village, uh, half day's travel northeast of here. Uh, but it, it's dusk right now, so it may behoove you to spend the night here if you wish. Yeah, I'll find some lodging for the evening and then try to find some way, uh, mode of transportation out there for the next 
day and a half. You're, 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 no, it's half a day. Not half a day. day. Excuse me. Yeah. It, it, you're, you're, you're on schedule at this point. Excellent. Is there an inn in this place? There's the same inns that are in every other dwarven outpost. Of course there is. Go to the inn. <laughs> Walk up to the innkeeper. Ask him how much his rooms are. Five silver a night. Give him the five silver. Go to my inn. Close the door. So you would rather have your dried yak meat than a fresh whatever he's serving? I have rations that I can eat. Okay. Uh, Tag, will you be uh Oh, I will be same? attempting to sing for my supper. Oh, yes. Very well, then. Please do so. And once again, your supper is free. Your room is five silver. Excellent. Actually, he is so pleased with your performance. Your room is four silver. Excellent. I feel sun through the ashes in the sky. So yes, the the other path is definitely what the kobolds were scared of. Uh, what they were using the special candle to ward away. It was basically just the the wick that was made out of. Uh, the, the it was kind of dipped in. Yeah, nasty slime that they had found uh, deep into the caverns, which scares away the frightening mushroom creatures. <laughs> I am the, uh, mus- the mushroom creatures don't have any sense of sight, but uh, definitely the smoke oh. uh, affects their spores. I am uh, I am happy we did not turn into clickers. That would have been bad. <laughs> so, uh, thoughts on the the session, there, boys? I like it. I'm uh, I'm enjoying Roger's character particularly. <laughs> <laughs> it'll get interesting more interesting at points oh i'm sure i i, I kind of have a handle on 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 who he is and how fallible he is as well so it's going to be fun when he's put into predicaments where he can't or does not perform up to snuff kind of thing and falls on that noble lineage to, to kind of pass it off so it should thus be far sir reginald has been doing very proficiently in his attack first, ask questions never method. That's what I want. That is what he is going to be. It's going to lead him into a whack of troubles at different times, but that's oh, where I'm the sure. fun is going to come. And, and I, I'm playing, you know, fast and loose with the rules. Like, okay, yeah, you you could cast True Strike before combat actually begins. Because is that I'm I'm not being super serious rules lawyer here. It's more about the fun and the role playing. Yeah. All right, awesome. This is going to take a while to edit, though. And, and you know, like I said, there are scary creatures, but there are ways to... I, I wasn't actually expecting you to cave in the roof. Really? But what I was expecting was for <laughs> you to, uh, to use the iron around the room to kind of distract it. That probably would have been smarter, but I saw a roof and saw a giant thing, and I was it's, like, I don't want to fight this. Hell no. It sensed your weapons, but as you saw, it was more interested in its food. And since nobody actually touched it until the roof caved in... <laughs> Yeah, I like to uh, avoid combat. I'm not exactly a uh, tank. <laughs> you're, you're the tankiest one we got. <laughs> yes, I have I have a one shot if in case you kill me. That's it. Uh, let's see, what was the, the rust monster? I'm going to have to look uh, through the... Uh, the actually, manual. the rust monster wouldn't have done that much damage. D8 plus one, so you, you, there's a good chance you would have survived a hit. Maybe, but I'm at nine, which means yeah. I would have had to blow my daily cooldown. Hey, I have... your, your OP half work thing. 
Yeah, the, the one thing I can do once per long rest, but I would have had to blow it, and I didn't want to risk it because I only had X amount of healing to do. Right. Because while you're running a little bit, I'm still in the mindset of I have only X things I can do during a day type thing. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of my decisions are, are based on that constraint that, like, I have limited power. I wasn't expecting the fire beetles to jack you up quite so hard. <laughs> you kept rolling so goddamn good. <laughs> Like, oh my god, oh my god, Vince, stop. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to take a screenshot of those rolls. I'm going to send it to my normal GM and be like, this is how GMs really should roll. Because he never rolls above a five, and I just want to rub it in his face. I was com- I was so hoping that you'd get so close to death that you'd have to ask for help. Had I, had I, had I had taken one more hit, I would have been like, all right, all right. Never right. would have let you forget that. It would have been priceless. <laughs> Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I, I wanted to pull out like a little chair to sit down and watch. <laughs> Have Bob fetch me a martini from somewhere. <laughs> could, have, could, have laid down, could have laid down a little doily on a, on a rock and sat yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, just enjoying the show. <laughs> uh, it's it, it was definitely good from my point of view. Like I, I had to do a lot of improving because of Bob. <laughs> Bob knows how to speak. Bob and I communicate. We've been no, together Bob, so Bob long that we Bob can Bob does exactly what you tell him and nothing more, but he... There are higher levels of the spell, though. That's, that why, that's like why when it. you told him to fetch you furs, he found the closest furs, went and grabbed them and brought them straight back. <laughs> he didn't deal with the shopkeeper. He didn't... <laughs> oh, I got plans for Bob. I assure you. <laughs> Bob and me are going to have fun. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.